Hi, and welcome to the Getting More Students podcast with myself, Alex Asher, and Herbert Gerzer. Hi, Alex. Now, we are here talking about a topic very near and dear to our heart. Um, oh, Herbert yes. and I <laughs> have been doing this. Uh, we've been doing Q&A sessions at least for the last year, and the number one question we get asked is, what is it, Herbert? <laughs> uh, what niche uh, do I target? That is, it comes up every single time. Yeah. How do I choose my niche? Where mm. do I find students? How do I choose which market to go after? It's all the same thing is where, you know, what niche should I focus on? And what we found particularly is that I think it's, it's been so relevant because we've had so many language schools in particular go online. Um, but I think the same would be said as well for tutoring companies, all the tutoring companies that were, um, you know, Really, every, all of these organizations are relatively similar in that they often are selling a location or skills mm. in a location. In language schools, it's a bit more, um, it's a bit more, like, a bit more severe in a way. I feel like it's very strongly felt. So this podcast is going to probably focus a little bit more on the language school perspective rather than tutoring, but you can get exactly the same lessons out of this, uh, out of this podcast. Um, sure. Now, tell, tell me on, in your experience as well, Herbert, like we've seen it from a LearnCube perspective, lots of um, schools kind of, you know, using our software to be able to, you know, provide that equalizer, I guess, with large comp competitors. But that's why we started this podcast as well, as we feel that there was a major misalignment with expectations with language schools, in this case, physical language schools going online. What's been your experience? Because you're focused on actually providing digital marketing services to these language schools. Like, what were the questions they were asking you, and how do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the same questions that we get in the that we got in the live Q and A calls. Is what audience to target? And a lot of language schools think, uh, especially physical language schools. Oh, you know, we've been offering English schools destination English courses here in London, for example. Now with the move online, we can target the whole world. You know, anyone is our customer. Anyone can take an English course with us. And I've had to have uh, many uh, difficult, <laughs> challenging discussions with uh, language, schools, language school owners and marketers to, to say, uh, you know, we, we, you know, you could target everyone. Uh, you could adopt a um, pay and pray, uh, spray and pray approach. Uh, but you're going to waste a lot of money. You, you might catch catch the odd uh, enrollment here and there, but if you try and target the world, um, you know it's uh, it's a difficult task. That's right. So I think almost like on one side, I'm really encouraged. People are taking the initiative that hey, we can really expand our market. But I think it's it's got to be taken both ways. So mm -hmm. yes, my audience can be anywhere, but that means my location is a lot less important, but not irrelevant. And we're going to talk a little bit yeah. about that today. So just putting some context in what we're going to be talking about today, this is the main problem that we found, not knowing your niche. We're going to be talking about why it's really hard to compete with the, with the largest um, companies effectively on the planet in education. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, how to think about your unique um, attributes as a as a company or as an individual. We're going to be talking about you know how to think about geography and niches, 
And then we're going to also talk about some practical solutions on how you can kind of uh, take this understanding and and win. You know, how can you find the right niche and yeah. succeed in that? And hopefully by the end of this, you feel really confident that you've made the right choice and at least gone through the right process. Because sometimes it can feel very debilitating in terms of have I chosen the right thing? Just feel confident that at least you've gone through a rigorous process. I think that should give you enough um, confidence to really start because also we don't want people to be so stuck with inertia and analysis paralysis that you don't make decisions. You're also going to need exactly. to make a call and go for it. So yeah. let's start with the first one, which is why is it so hard to compete with these large players? Um, <laughs> we're, now, we're going to date this slightly because I just saw the news today that Lingoda, one of the, the largest uh, language schools based in Germany, has just raised something like 57 million euro um, wow. as part of... crazy. <laughs> I, I've no idea what the valuation is, but it's mm. in a way it's irrelevant. What's really interesting about that is what is it that they're going to do with that money? Um, and we well, I, can, I, can tell, we I can tell you what they're going to do, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> uh, you know, 80% of that is going to marketing to, to capture market share. Yeah. I mean, surely there's going to be some great product improvements. I mean, everyone wants to talk about experience. But to be honest, a lot of the time the raises are for marketing spend um, and trying to find more customers and build effectively their own snowball. So... One of the reasons it's so hard to compete with these large players, and we were kind of looking at it ourselves before this. And I mean, it comes to, first of all, you're competing against very large budgets. So mm. if you've only, if you've got a small amount of money, um, then somebody can always outspend you. Um, a lot of these large organizations and even medium sized organizations will at least have a fairly accomplished marketing team. So they've got the skills already to really compete very, successfully and, and, and sometimes very aggressively with online marketing. And a lot of times they've really figured out their solution. Either it's highly scalable, it's at a price point that's you know, very attractive, um, they've been able to build trust in some way, maybe through their own sort of branding and sort of marketing over years. But online teaching is not something new. The, the, a lot of these established players have been uh, teaching and teaching students online for a, for a very long time. Uh, one of the things I wouldn't mind you mentioning, Herbert, is what that means from a marketing perspective, because they're also competing on you know even things like search terms. And how does that make a difference when you're competing with these large players? Right. I mean, that's why it's so important to define your niche, because if you're going you know, for broad search terms like uh, learn English online or online English courses, again, you are competing with uh, billion, million-dollar companies that are just pumping uh, ad spend into Google Ads and Facebook ads. And, of course, the company that pays the most for a click, uh, for an impression, is is ultimately going to win. And so um, you want to make the most out of your advertising budget. You know, you want to actually get leads and conversions from that. So you really need to have this conversation uh, about you know, who are we going to target? Are we going to niche down? Are we going to target you know, a specific uh, uh, country or for a specific course? And then you can really put your uh, marketing dollars uh, and spend them wisely. 
makes a lot of sense. So, uh, and again, I think it's really helpful to have that in mind when you're competing because then now you know why it's so important to try and leverage every competitive advantage you have. Mm. And we talk a lot about this in our previous Q&A sessions, Herbert. What are some of the things that, I mean, it actually goes alongside with how you actually suggest people go about their marketing, but what are some of the unique aspects that people can push when it comes to their positioning? Sure. I mean, you can push uh, your personality, and that doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're a one-person business, although that works very well with uh, one-person businesses where you are basically the face of your uh, language school or tutoring company, and people are buying into your experience and your story. That's a very effective way of standing out from the competition. But, uh, you know, larger organizations, larger schools can also adopt that personality approach. Uh, maybe they have a unique way of teaching. Yeah. Uh, you know, they can show the personalities of their teachers uh, via uh, you know, authentic videos or stories or live streams and, and really utilize all the social media tools available to us today to, you know, get in touch with potential customers. I mean, of course, you can use experience uh, as as um, one of those USPs. If your school's or company's been around for 20 years, 30 years, you've taught thousands of students from 170 countries uh, from around the world and you've won awards, that's a fantastic way of really cutting through all the noise. Um, and also thinking about what type of connections you have, uh, whether that be if you have a large student population from a certain country or a certain region, maybe you have a real good, strong relationships with agents um, from, from a certain country or region. Maybe you as a, a one-person language school or a smaller language school have a, a deep connection with um, a country. Maybe you speak a foreign language and you know what those uh, foreign speakers need in terms of their language learning goals. So yeah, those are some of the the ways that you can really gain a competitive advantage against these big players. I mean, that's exactly the way to think about them. In a way, the big players, whenever you even say that, it kind of feels like you're you're up against an organization, a faceless experience. Mm. So already when you can add your own face or the faces of your teachers and create a personality, you you can find that that's actually a really big competitive advantage because... Oh, it's huge. Absolutely. And that's because it, it separates it from being a commodity. It's not just teaching uh, a language or teaching a subject. It's having an experience. And so, again, your experience is going to be another thing that you're going to really want to, to capitalize on. But we're going to just jump into just some really easy frameworks for choosing a market. Um, so let's start off with um, maybe something that comes up a lot again in our sessions, Herbert, but what, what's a really bad example of somebody's understanding of who to target? They generally will say something like this, um, and kind of what you said before, Herbert. It's like, I don't need to... Uh, the great thing is I'm, I can teach anyone in the world. I'm going to teach general English, which is what I'm already doing in my physical language school. Mm-hmm. 
and um, we're going to do it exactly the same way. And, and aren't my, fan, my teachers fantastic, so I'm going to compete with my great teachers and um, we're going to be able to take over the world. It's going to be fantastic. Um, I've heard that many times. <laughs> it's almost surprising how often it comes up, which is kind of crazy in itself. So um, with that example in mind, we want to kind of, there's kind of two, two levers. I almost think of it like, I'm starting to feel like it's almost like a bit of a seesaw, Herbert. Right. Um, you can choose one, but then you have to go smaller on the other side. So if Just one's the up, one, yeah. then the other side has to be down. So we were thinking about it before. So geography is one of the most obvious ones, right? Mm -hmm. So am I going to go... So world <laughs> is the right. largest possible <laughs> geogra geography you can go for. Uh, region in terms of, you know, you know, I mean, you even hear things like, you know, I'm going to target Asia. Asia is not similar. Uh, and no, Herbert, not at all. Goodness. <laughs> I think you're going to test on the marketing side of things. Each one of those countries is incredibly different. And same with Europe and possibly even same inside the states themselves. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's kind of fascinating. So when you, when, you, when you think about it, you've got... So if you can't, te you, you can't teach the world, so let's focus on something else that's a bit more achievable. You can look at region, but only if your niche is really small. So you can go really big really up on the geography side if your niche is if you're going to niche down really really to that to that smallest level and then you can look at countries but also within countries there's you know are you going to go for urban or rural places are you going to go for particular cities um, right. what are areas or ways that you feel that you have advantages so that's on the geography so region country city or or even potentially sort of demographic you can kind of also look at and then on the niche side, you might look at language. So, and particularly, I think at this point, language mixes. So, yeah, if uh, Portuguese or Rus or Port um, if Russians would like to learn English, already that I'm I'm Russian learning English is a is a particular mix that's not as common as say um, a, as some of the others. And so, all of those mixes will be kind of interesting and unique in themselves. So maybe there's a mix of languages that you can go after. Um, specialty. Now, in the business uh, English space, it could be selling to salespeople, selling to accountants, selling to the tourism um, bodies. It could be selling to, to farmers. It could be selling to a, a whole bunch of different um, niches or specialties um, or skills. And the areas that you understand as well, Herbert, tell me about those because, you know, even exams and certain, you know, programs can be niches in themselves, right? Absolutely. I mean, I have some clients uh, that target larger regions, for example, Latin America, all the Spanish-speaking countries, and they promote uh, pathway programs yeah. uh, to study English in Canada. Uh, oh. I mean, that's quite niche. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the region, the geography isn't very niche. Uh, you've got hundreds of millions of people, but that particular product or the course that they're offering is. And so that works really well. Yeah. Uh, another, another example is an English school in the UK, uh, providing or promoting Cambridge exam prep courses to three specific countries, uh, Spain, Italy, and France. Because yeah. they know those uh, students very well. 
Yeah, and again, it comes to like how well do you know those students? And in and, and those two examples, it sounds like they really understand their customer base. So then they know where they're going to hang out, which makes it much cheaper for them to be able to target those particular customers with their Absolutely. marketing. Interesting. So again, just to summarize that point, think of geography and then also think of niches. But again, the idea here is that if you go um, wide on the geography, then you're probably going to need to go very narrow on your niche. Now, what we did want to provide are some really kind of practical tips um, so that the people listening in here are going away with something they can really action because sometimes it, you can feel very powerless, but hopefully now that you're listening to, hey, have you? are there some niches that you can really excel in? You actually go, oh, wow, actually, now there's a whole bunch of different things I can do. Absolutely. And I mean, kind of the first thing, you know, if you are a new uh, school or um, an established school is kind of looking looking closer to home, you know, yeah. uh, looking at the local and domestic market in your city or in your uh, uh, country, you know, leveraging your established reputation there. Uh, yeah. I mean, We've had this. School. We've had this a number of times as well, Herbert. We were we were chatting with a, a you know a, a, la- a language school in this instance. I remember it was one that was in in Italy and it was in a, a smallish town, but then mm. you sort of heard that they'd been in business for like something like fifty years and yeah. that they'd built all of this great rapport with their the people in their general in their sort of smaller region and area. I mean that was an obvious place for them to go first. Because they had something they know, really liberal. But then, but then in, in the call, they, uh, of course, they were like, oh, well, now we're online. We yeah. want to target Asia. Uh, yeah. They've never targeted Asia before. Um, and, you know, Asia is a huge uh, region. Uh, and yeah, we, we talked about maybe narrowing that a little bit. Yeah. And, Focusing on Italy and uh, marketing there, I th- think there were Italian courses mm-hmm. uh, to uh, foreign people living in Italy. Yeah, and so again, the 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 region was quite small, but then the niche was quite big, right? So the niche was right. general English in that particular instance. So. You know, again, they, they might need to have tweaked that mix. You know, in the end, you've got to experiment, but that was still that came, that same kind of idea was. Where's my competitive advantage and where to start? So starting with your location makes sense. And also, we were talking about it before, Herbert, which is that trust factor, right? So Mm. if I have the choice of, you know, again, big box education company or um, a smaller company, and they both seem to be offering exactly the same thing. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people actually choose a smaller organization just for the simple fact that they may feel like they will get more personal attention and they will matter more Absolutely. than a large organization. I think that's making uh, more that that's more of, of an impact these days. Is people yeah. people don't want to be seen as a number, you know, just yeah. another user of one of these apps. They want that personalized attention. They want a real teacher uh, so that they can make uh, progress. And yeah. also the, the the cultural aspects of learning a language, which very difficult to get from you know software and technology. Yeah, absolutely. So um, starting with that local and domestic market, but then we were also um, 
we were talking a little bit about so once you've chosen the niche and like how do you go after that let's also just give a very practical tip on how somebody could use marketing channels to go after a specific local domestic market how can they do that herbert Right. I mean, you know, if, if you're looking at Google or Facebook ads, it's very, very simple. You know, you can yeah. basically plonk a, a pin in the, in the center of the city and, you know, choose plus minus 10 kilometers or 20 yeah. kilometers. I mean, it's very easy uh, to do that. And local business advertising is usually, uh, you know, quite successful just because you are leveraging your name. Uh, you know, you are a local business and, People would rather buy local than, you know, some, uh, foreign owned company, um, billion dollar company. Yeah. Uh, so Facebook and, and Google, that, that's easy to do. Um, you can also, uh, try organic ways, mm-hmm. uh, going to LinkedIn, um, and connecting with people in your local area. You yeah. could go to Facebook groups and, uh, join, uh, groups that are in your, city or your area as well. Yeah. Uh, I know there are a lot of online communities where um, people congregate. And I mean, you don't want to be uh, selling or promoting uh, as soon as you enter those groups. You really want to kind of add value, um, help people out in that group mm. before promoting uh, any courses you have. But they are a fantastic way of getting kind of free leads. You know, it just takes time. Makes a lot of sense. And actually, when you were talking about Facebook and Google, I'm pretty sure you can filter by even demography, right? So you can go after particular age groups um, as well in those areas. I mean, one of the reasons I bring that up is, you know, even if, if you're niche, you can totally outcompete the big box education companies by maybe choosing an age group and really going hard on that. So, for example... If it's younger people, can can you make it just so desirable for younger people mm. to join because they're going to have all of this, these other things that they might really value? You know, the, the kind of content you're going to be talking is going to be so hip and up to date with with that particular demographic. And, and then likewise, if you're able to target again, you're, you're sort of niching within within a particular local locale. Is um, you know maybe a lot of older people right now are you know have time on their hands and want to learn that other language. I mean, again, you can really outcompete big box education companies because it's not in their interest to look after a small niche. Like their whole job is to try and get as big as they can, which means they have to go for the biggest market in general. At least with their experience, they can't change their experience. They can change their ads, but they can't change the experience. But you know, if you're a smaller organization. That's up to you. You can choose exactly how you deliver that experience. Yeah. I uh, have a a, a client that (laughs) promotes uh, 50-plus foreign language courses, and they're really popular. Um, Makes total sense. Super niche. Yeah, and and maybe you're adding community as part of that, and because you're going after a particular demography, makes it much easier. All your content can be focused on... You know, not, hey, how, what's the word for rock climbing? It's like, well, that's not going to be very relevant if you're, no. um, you know, over a certain demographic. So those are all ways that you can find and carve your niche out. And also, if you, if you're starting to think, hey, I've already got some specialties in my back pocket. Why don't I use those? Um, that's definitely the, the kind of, thought process that should be going on we were actually talking um and just sort of to, to sort of finish up here herbert we were talking about a niche 
and kind of how to think about one. We had one in mind, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. For for example, if if you were a one person uh, language school, a smaller language yeah. school, but you have you have had in the past sales experience. Mm. It might make sense to create an offer that would be English for salespeople. I mean, that's yeah. great, uh, little niche to be in. Salespeople yeah. around the world need English skills, especially yeah. salespeople and creating specific course content for them mm-hmm. and then promoting to them. I mean, you know what salespeople need. Yeah. It comes across as authentic because you can speak to them in the language that they use. Uh, and, that can permeate throughout your website, your your advertising, and your social media. Yeah, and and we once you know that that's your niche, you can look at you know what are some online communities that I can join that these salespeople will have. You know, exactly. uh, can I go to LinkedIn? Okay, now I know where to look in LinkedIn. Can I look for people with sales profiles that maybe aren't from native English speaking countries? Can I go to conferences online or in person that will have those, those people? You know, and you might even, you know, just even simple things you could do is when you're putting a profile, you know, maybe you could be like, I'm, you know, in my case, I'm Alex and, and from LearnCube and, and we deliver online school software or on uh, virtual classroom software. Like you can still put it in your avatar, but then just talk very authentically about the topic. Exactly. Um, you can join online forums and Facebook groups in the same way. Like maybe, you know, the thing that you tell everybody, you know, when you join is like, hey, I'm going to talk about the content you're interested in. But also you should know that I'm, you know, I'm part of this organization and and we teach these specific people and we do these specific things. So there's a lot that you can do once you know what that niche is. But it's actually really hard to do the opposite. It's really hard to think, creatively on how to go after the biggest market possible right yeah you've you've got to leverage any competitive advantage uh you have especially in this new kind of uh, online learning uh marketplace Um, yeah that's it So, so just to kind of summarize with what we've talked about we've really talked about how um First of all, a lot of people in the same boat. This is a, it's probably our number one question is which niche to go after. So if that's you, um, you're not alone. Secondly, we really talked a lot about why it's really hard to compete with the larger language companies or tutoring companies because you're dealing with budgets, skills, and pot- potentially like trust and reputation and solutions mm. that you may not be able to provide in, in the immediate term which then forces you to leverage any competitive advantage you have. So really brainstorm what those those uniques that you have are and really try and find the ones that are the most unique and most valuable to the target audience that you're going after. When you're choosing that target audience, think um, big and small, uh, and, and you probably can't go both. You can't do big, big. And what I'm talking yeah. about here is geography and your niche. So either really small niche and very large geography can work or small geography and a larger niche can also work. But generally you don't see in today's age winning on both of those. And that'll give you a good starting point. And one of the other bits of advice we have, and we've talked about the practical ways that you can do this using Facebook, Google, and actually many other tools. And not just tools, um, forums, communities, all of those things open up 
and become very apparent as to where to go once you've figured out what that niche is. And the one bit of advice I would give before I hand over as a as a farewell for, for Herbert is don't be afraid to just pick one niche and start with that. Just by picking one doesn't mean that that's, that's it forever and, and it seems too small to begin with. The point here is to, to pick one niche, certainly at a time. It's very hard to do multiple niches at a time. Herbert, do you have any other last bits of wisdom? No, that was a very good tip, and that's kind of exactly what I wanted to say is choose a niche, uh, test it, uh, and you are not bound to that niche forever. Uh, you know, you can adjust and you can pivot, um, but you need to get feedback from the marketplace and to see what is resonating with that target audience. Fantastic. So thank you so much for listening to today's podcast on getting more students. Um, we have a podcast ready for you every single week. We're very excited about um, doing this for you. And I guess what we want to provide are insights, inspiration, and that um, real motivation to, to really kickstart your marketing and find success with online tutoring or teaching, whatever that may be for you. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you next time. See you in the next one.